You're listening to Common Threads, a podcast about ethical fashion, hosted by Ruth McGill and Alice Cruikshank. Fed up of fascist greenwashing? Then you're in the right place. We go beyond buzzwords and PR peddling interviews and instead dive deep into what really matters. Each week, we break down the big issues with the help of some of the fashion industry's leading changemakers and thought leaders. Let's rethink fashion, one conversation at a time. Hello, Alice here. No Ruth, for now, because she's been up to something very exciting. But before we get into that, I wanted to take a moment and check in with you all. You know, it's been a minute since our last Common Threads episode. Ah, Series 3 is here, I hear you say. Not quite yet, unfortunately. We will be back soon, pinky promise. But for now, we have a wee between-y-sode. Between-y-sode? In-between-y episode? Mini-sode? Well, we're here for special bonus episodes anyway, to give you the inside scoop from an exciting sustainable fashion event. And that's the State of Fashion Biennale in Arnhem, the Netherlands. Common Threads is written, researched, produced and presented entirely by us. We put so much work into making this happen and we love making this content for you, but we need you to keep this podcast going. We would love it if you could help us keep the podcast free and accessible for everyone by donating the cost of a cup of coffee to our Ko-fi account. Head to ko-fi.com slash common threads podcast to give a one-off donation of £3. Your support really means the world to us. Thank you. So let's get to it. This episode has the snazzy title, Ways of Caring. And that's because this was a theme for the 2022 Fashion Biennale, or biennial if your pronunciation is awful like mine. This is a unique mix of events, workshops, installations, exhibitions, talks and tours across five weeks this summer that started early June. So there's still time to go if you're Arnhem bound. The event is co-curated by Fashion Open Studio and Not Enough Collective. Every day the range of activities is different and brought to life together by the creators and visitors. Think of it as a big, interactive, sustainable fashion festival. The theme of Ways of Caring aims to explore ways to make the fashion industry more sustainable and regenerative through a lens of compassion and care. Compassion and care are aspects that actually get overlooked quite often, certainly by the big players, H&M, Shein, etc. Because as we know, there are human beings behind every stage of the fashion industry. And compassion for the planet is compassion for people and vice versa. I actually find this theme particularly interesting because right now we're seeing sustainable fashion conversations enter the mainstream, which is great. We love to see it. But what I find lately is that these conversations in the mainstream media either are very businesslike and totally overlook the human element, or there's a lot of tension from average consumers feeling like they are being blamed for all of fashion's faults, which is not the case. And also, don't come for me. But in my personal experience, recently I felt some sustainable fashion spaces or just sustainability and social justice spaces in general have felt quite gatekeepery and devoid of nuance. 
that is not what we want. So there is definitely cause to bring compassion and care back to centre stage. So for today's episode, we've sent Ruth to Arnhem. She's been chatting to some of the participants and exploring this year's theme in more detail. So I am here in Arnhem in the Netherlands and I'm here for the State of Fashion Biennale. I had the opportunity to explore the exhibition and some of the workshops and talk with some of the participants. There will be a few sound issues in these interviews, which I apologise for, but hopefully you can pick up some of the atmosphere that was going on in some really different venues like churches and um, public parks as well. First up, I met with Not Enough Collective, which are the co-curators of the Biennale. Not Enough Collective is a group of women across South America who really take the mediums of fashion and art and design and explore the ways that it contributes to and perpetuates ideas about colonialism by spreading particular ways of thinking and doing and learning. So Not Enough Collective during the Biennale set up an amazing exhibition in a big old church in Arnhem called Fashion as Encounters. And this was really to get attendees to kind of redefine what fashion means to them. Again, through thinking about making space for untold stories, for unseen feelings, and looking at existing knowledges and practices that have been historically erased. An interesting way that they did this is through exploring the missing content. So there was sort of areas of the exhibition that were incomplete. Attendees and visitors were encouraged to add to that exhibition, to add their own missing voices, and also to, to look at these gaps and think about the, the people that aren't usually invited into these spaces. I went along to one of the workshops that Not Enough Collective were running along with Women Cave, which is another collective uh, that is exploring the notion of gender and inclusivity in these art and design spaces. This workshop called Settlement for Care were inviting attendees to take part in the practice of collective craft and collective creation. So printing quotes onto upcycled fabric and old t-shirts and tote bags. And these quotes were inspired by different feminist and queer texts. And then at the end of the exhibition, all of these amazing like printed pieces of fabric are stitched together and put inside this sort of tent space to create a sort of um, a sanctuary. So I had the opportunity to talk with Marina. She's from Not Enough Collective and she's a Brazilian creative. Uh, she's a designer and a critical fashion practitioner. She has experience working as a fashion designer in Sao Paulo, but now she lives in the Netherlands and she researches this multidisciplinary approach to the sort of political aspects of design, as well as the performativeness of clothes and materials and different socio and cultural arrangements. Marina talked to me about Not Enough Collective's work and what they're doing here at the State of Fashion Biennale. We are in a church, which is the first time I've recorded a podcast in a church. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you do and um, what Not Enough Collective does and maybe what you're doing here at the State of Fashion. So I'm Marina, I'm part of Not Enough Collective. We are a collective of, of South American women and we work uh, with 
anti-colonial practices, uh, mostly in the fields of fashion, design and education. We really want to, uh, people to question or to subvert this whole of the oppressive and the oppressor. What was your starting point with the theme of ways of caring and practicing solidarity? So we have a full program within the biennial, but with the exhibition we are questioning several things. First of all, we believe that fashion is made uh, through encounters. So the whole process of uh, selecting, choosing is about making people encounter differences. It was very important not only to show a difference or to show something that we think is different, but also that people experience this difference. So all the works that we that we did and the process, so we have the, the guests, but we also have the co-creation process, which was a, a process in which people had to face, like the participants that uh, made the works had to face their difference and had to, in practice, find what are the common grounds, how can they co-create uh, together, and who else they want to include in this, in their final work. So it is about every time looking from your position to the other's position and question your position and question how can we be a more participatory or maybe solidary or caring uh, society within our practices in everyday life. I think fashion, especially like Western fashion, is about uh, one way of seeing things and one way of doing things or considering or valuing or giving meaning. Is The exhibition like conceptually and also phys physically you, ha you have the holes on the ceiling. It's about showing like these differences and respecting and, and Acknowledging that are uh, yeah, acknowledging that that there are many other systems, uh, systems of clothing, systems of dressing, systems of uh, aesthetics and identities, systems of making and yeah, for for us was breaking this what fashion shows normally. It was about like subverting what this nature that fashion has of fixing things and uh, fixing one aesthetic image, one uh, way of being one identity that is the Western identity, so breaking all these little parts within the system and showing that there, there is much more than that. And I think what is also important for us in this exhibition is that it, show that fa it, it is to show that fashion can go much like, like beyond this kind of commercial uh, exchange. There, there is a work from Fundação Morreal, for example, here, that is a social project in which fashion becomes a medium. So fashion can have, through encounters, many different uh, yeah, meanings and values. In terms of the uh, attendees to the workshops and the people participating, what have you kind of learned from them in ways that people are interacting with fashion, with ways of caring, and perhaps this unusual format that's a bit different to a normal fashion show. We try to keep the process and the exhibition in it itself, like the, the there is no final exhibition. It's like the exhibition is here, but it's something that every day it's going to change a bit because there are many participatory practices, like the workshops that you just mentioned. So uh, if you come to the exhibition, you are going to see like all these green geometrical kind of objects that they will be completed throughout the exhibition. So until the end, you have 
kind of a complete exhibition, but I think the most important thing is that people that are going to visit, they are going to carry something out of here, you know, like they, they are confronting things, they are confronting the way that they relate with fashion as well. I think it's this, like it's this extending, like bringing things that they learned in the workshop and then bringing that to their uh, reality, to their everyday life, to their relationship with fashion, basically. Next up, I had the opportunity to speak with Sebastian Kramer from Hulikas, which is a slow fashion label in Arnhem. It's all about the ways that fashion not only pollutes the environment and, you know, the speed and the pace of fashion is bad for workers and, you know, obviously the planet, but it's also reflecting on how our pace of life and our pace of consumption impacts us as people and our own mental health and kind of inviting people to reflect on that that burnout that we feel, you know, within the current system. It's a really unique brand in that they have a a really recognizable style of textile which is it's kind of like tie-dye but with only using natural materials and it's sort of meant to celebrate the kind of imperfections of fabric so it's not a solid color or a repetitive print. They basically have a really interesting technique of using found materials and, you know, really basic plants that you can find in your garden or spices that you find in your kitchen and using these to create a really interesting kind of stained effect on vintage fabrics, on secondhand fabrics and on dead stock as well. During the State of Fashion Biennale, they ran some workshops called Recovery Garden and it was all about teaching people about these dyeing processes and the ways of natural dyeing and how it differs from chemical dyeing as well. So a whole bunch of people from across Arnhem came along to the workshop, which was in a really beautiful big park. And they basically went foraging all around the park for flowers and leaves, um, bark, stones, all sorts of different materials. They brought them back and then we basically took a t-shirt or a scarf sprayed it with a kind of vinegar mixture which acts as the mordant which is the um well it's usually synthetic chemicals that fixes dye or print to a fabric in this case they were just using completely natural mordant and then to speed up the process which would usually take about three days to make it for this afternoon they basically just laid out the flowers and the plants on the piece of fabric and hammered it in literally with a hammer and what you were left with were these beautiful, really unique kind of stains, like tie-dye stains. Um, and they fade fairly quickly from the garment, but you know, for a little while you have a very unique dyed piece of clothing. After this, I went along to Hulikes. We're doing a pop-up shop in the city. So I went along and I talked to Sebastian about the brand, about what they're doing here at the Biennale and what the mainstream fashion industry could learn from their practices. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about Hulikas and what your technique is to dye the clothes? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Hulikas is uh, the brand that uh, Shaq Hulikas and, 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 and me, Sebastian Kramer, uh, have been um, working on since for three years now. Uh, and we really want to be focused with the brand to be focused on the beauty of imperfection. So that's within materials and within people. And uh, we use a lot of natural dyeing um, that 
uh, that we do well. It all started actually because we we were we we are working with only existing materials, and there were little stains in it. And and then we thought like, yeah, what can we do to make these stains uh, become beautiful? And so we started to make the stains bigger and bigger. And, and then the so all with natural dyeing. So with from avocado uh, uh, seeds and peels to um, uh, onion peels and, and um, the, well, all things we find in the forest. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's how we actually work. So what's the technique to get those colours from the plants onto the fabric? Or yeah. is that a trade secret? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. You know, it's uh, what we do is it's it's all uh, we all die without move movement. So actually we. We have uh, big bowls in which we, we, we pl uh, place all the, the garments and all the textiles together with all the ingredients we want. And, um, and it's actually uh, just a little bit of water uh, we're adding to it and then it's standing there for three days. And, and, and so it's almost fer uh, ferment uh, ferment fermenting, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in that way, uh, it, it ha that's how we work, yeah. Cool. And I was just at the workshop at your recovery garden where you were using a slightly different technique. Can you explain how you do it with workshops and you work with the public? Yeah, so for the, for the workshops, because our, the, way, the, the way we, uh, we usually work takes so long, and we, we said like we have to show them how it works, but on a different way. So we are, what we are doing there is we are steaming and hammering with, with, uh, the, with, with plants they find in the garden and, and around in the park um, to, crea uh, yeah, to create their prints actually. That's more, it's more placement printing kind of uh, a way of working. So why is it important to you to use these natural materials and even plants that you can grow in your own garden? Uh, well, because um, we all, well, because the, the chemical dyes are, are obviously very uh, bad for the environment and for, for uh, ecosystems. And um, because we are working as a brand on the beauty of imperfection, we also want to show that there is another way of looking at colors. And so it's uh, another treatment of um, maintenance and about uh, like, uh, well, the uh, colors will fade quicker, but maybe that's, that's, that's just how it works. And uh, for that reason, we also have a dyeing surface so people can bring bring in old clothes with, with stains but all, also when the when the color is faded they can let it die again um, and for us it's really important for to change the, the the system we have to change our whole paradigm on how how we look at uh, fading and how we look at uh, at colors in general so yeah and then finally um, obviously the finale uh, theme is ways of caring how would you describe your sort of way as way of caring as a brand and as a designer? Well, our yeah, that's that's involved in a lot of things actually. You know, within our brands, we we like to care uh, to to make fashion also a, a place to uh, to connect again with people, and uh, uh, so and so we have a small part of educational uh, within our 
um, uh, ateliers. So that's our way of caring for the future generation to to to, to create more sustainable um, options in their world. And we we also work with people uh, within our recovery studio. We we work with people with mental issues, depressions, and so on. So that's our way of caring for to to make sure that fashion actually. Take, takes care of also the, uh, those people and can get them back into the system or at least the system that is fitting their uh, needs um, and uh, well and then of course we, we like to um, to have yeah to, to create a new kind of fashion system so we only use materials that are existing already um, mainly most of them are either antiques or vintage or secondhand and others are from dead stocks and so yeah all those kind of things we are actually trying to uh, yeah to care uh, more about the, the the world and our environment yeah and if, if you could say one thing you know to the mainstream fashion industry that they could learn from your practices what would that be um, that fashion should be about everything but a financial uh, profit I'm back again in Arnhem and today I'm meeting Sindiso Kamalo, who is a fashion designer from South Africa. She is one of the designers in residence that Fashion Open Studio have brought along to the State of Fashion Biennale. And the purpose of these residencies is really to create space for these site-specific projects to integrate within the community in Arnhem. So each designer is bringing a piece of their studio back at home, bringing it into the space in Arnhem and really sharing their practice in a transparent way with the people that come along. So Sindiso is a sustainable textile designer based in Cape Town in South Africa. She founded her label in 2015 and she really combines modern approaches to sustainability with an emphasis on African history. Textiles and craft are really at the heart of her collections. So she works really closely with small NGOs and workshops in South Africa and Burkina Faso to produce really unique hand-woven, hand-embroidered textiles for her collections. She's really inspired by her mother who was an activist and since then she's been motivated to bring these values and these messages of social equity and female empowerment into her brand. So I spoke with her at her showroom here in Arnhem where she was making amazing um, vests, which are designed for refugees to have everything they need. She'll tell us a little bit about that in this interview. Hi, my name is Sindiso Kumalo. I'm a textile designer. Um, I am based in Cape Town, South Africa, and I basically run a sustainable fashion brand um, named after myself. And yeah, I guess we're just really um, passionate about sustainability um, from both a social and environmental point of view. And uh, what brought you to the state of fashion and what is it that you're doing here in the showroom? So um, I was invited or put forward by uh, Fashion Revolution um, to come here and uh, I guess uh, I guess a combination of fashion revolution and the state of fashion and um, yeah it's been a really uh, amazing experience because I I guess as a designer you never really spend time making an item that is conceptual you know a lot of the time you sort of 
rushing between factories trying to make clothes that are for uh, a shop essentially so it's been a really nice way of like unpicking an idea I've been thinking about which is kind of what what would my response to the war be as a designer and how would how can you speak with textiles to a tra- tragedy um, and it also doesn't necessarily just speak just to the tragedy of the Ukraine war but all wars in general are a tragedy um, and yeah I guess it's sort of speaking to that pain really. So we're making two vests. So the idea came from what would a refugee mother um, need in a time of war? And essentially as women, like I feel like our handbags are probably one of the biggest kind of handicaps um, in those times because they can get stolen or yeah they're just bulky and all the rest of it so I thought let me design a vest that a mother could use in a time of war and something that was you know um, had lots of details to it so for example it's got a pocket detail where you put the flap over and it would read like the person's name and contact details and where they come from in case you know most people don't actually speak the language to the places they're going to um pockets obviously for passport security things there's a a flap over the collar which has got a very soft uh cushiony collar which is basically you know if you've got your children resting on you them being able to be comfortable so i guess trying to create something i think textiles have the power of just creating a sort of gentleness um, in any respect and so I think it's a bit like trying to create something like that of get I guess a bit like what a blanket would feel like but if it was like a yeah holding you essentially um, and then also the vest is a very functional piece I mean it's used in a lot of um, military uniform and you know you can sleep in a vest you don't need to take it off so yeah, I, you know, so just thinking about all these concepts of how it can be something that is both functional but also um, speak to a gentleness and a softness of what you would need in that sort of harsh reality. So I guess the theme of the Binale is ways of caring and obviously you know, you've shown through this process of designing something for someone in need is, is very caring and compassionate but what is your way of caring when it comes to design and, and how does your general practice kind of speak to care? Essentially for us, a lot of the products we make, we make from waste. Um, So we are a textile-focused brand and we take a lot of waste textiles from different groups. One of them is the LVMH group and we, um, you know, work with their waste source and um, transform it into garments that we then sell on as products to stores like Net-A-Porter. Um, and then we also have a huge social responsibility um, angle to our business. So we train young women in Cape Town. So we work with this NGO um, called Ignite uh, Dignity and they um, basically have work with young women who previously used to be in sex work and so they uh, get them out of the sex work they rehabilitate them and then we work with then training them in sewing embroidery and um, just textile craft in general crochet um, and sort of provide a new chapter so to speak in their lives and they are very young girls some of them are in their late teens some of them in their early 20s and yeah so that's I guess something we do in South Africa is basically try to bring our end product as a tool to empower women who may have not had the best start. 
when you think about the mainstream fashion industry and the way it operates, care probably isn't the first thing that comes to mind. So what do you think that the mainstream fashion industry could learn from your practice? I think it's really important that everybody understands that every garment is made by a human essentially and I think once we begin to really understand that there's a human hand within that then you begin to have value in that craft and I think for me um, yeah I think what I would say to the mainstream fashion industry is you know empowering people with paying them a proper wage and ensuring that they are in an, an environment that's not harmful that's got no harassment you know, and, and I think also because it's a, it's a very female-oriented space, so it's actually, you know, it's both a women's rights issue as it is a human rights issue. So, yeah, I think I would say, like, a lot of attention has to be put on how these clothes are made and who these hands are behind all the clothes that are being made. We don't need that much stuff also. Like, I'd be like, just slow down. I know everybody wants growth, but we actually don't need that many clothes. I think it's I think it's a lot and I think for me it's like if we can just slow down a little bit and really take care so that the stuff that we are making is actually nice and not like horrendous and I think that's the other thing is that there's so much bad looking clothing out there and we need just to slow down and just have clothes the way our grandparents had clothes where you have a select of beautiful curated pieces that you have for your life. One thing I do want to say is the consumer has a lot of power and what the sustainability, where the sustainability conversation is going to go. So I think also as consumers, we should be really aware of our power and aware how we can change the status quo and change the mandate. So shop wisely, shop consciously and definitely shop ethically. I'm now just going along to the final interview of this podcast and I'm going to these amazing walk-in wardrobes which are set up in Arnhem in a big library and basically it's a room full of actual wardrobes like you'd have in your house full of different clothing and it's meant to be a kind of space where people can explore the idea of sharing clothing rather than just consuming. So it's run by an organisation called Outfit Library Less it's a city wardrobe based in Arnhem where people can enjoy this alternative to traditional shopping using a clothing library system. So it's a bit like a traditional book library card. You have a borrowing credit and then you can borrow these pieces and give them back rather than buying new. They also offer different practical advice on how to care for your clothes, how to make them last longer and really encourage people to think about how they need less in their lives, not just less stuff, not just less clutter but also you know less judgment less stress and creating this sort of body positive alternative so i went along and spoke with maria who is the founder of outfit library less she is the binale's resident clothing librarian and she's selected different vintage and secondhand gems which you can borrow and wear throughout the event and if you really fall in love with the garments you can buy them as well so there's lots of different options they're also hosting clothes swap events throughout the Biennale. So I spoke with Maria about what this concept means for her and what it means for slowing down the fashion system as a whole. Uh, my name is Maria and I have been running clothing library in Arnhem for the last four and a half years. Uh, here in Arnhem, I had a store for four years and that was just a place where everybody could come uh, in any time they pleased and borrow clothes. Since this year, I'm doing it as a pop-up concept uh, here by the local library, extra library with books. And the feedback has also been great. 
that um, people can come borrow books, borrow clothes and uh, consume less altogether. And how is the clothing library concept, how is it different to sort of the kind of designer fashion rental that we see? Yeah, I think it's a very important question because indeed you see more and more uh, designer rental concepts. But I find uh, bringing casual daily wear, bringing it towards the rental concept is also very important because that's where our biggest impact maybe uh, lies when uh, instead of going to uh, fast fashion brands every weekend uh, just to spend some time and get some uh, nice piece of clothes we can go and borrow pieces that are nothing nothing extraordinary but still cute and still um, either in fashion or classic or just something when you feel like oh I, I, I feel like I need something else which is important for our identity as well you mm -hmm. can just go and borrow it and it's uh, pretty accessible I work with prepaid cards uh, you pay five or six euros per item per month that's really affordable I think it's really yeah. affordable right <laughs> compared with most of the other kind of rental systems out there yeah, yeah. but at the same time yeah there is uh, I don't really care in my collection for my collection for the brands mm -hmm. uh, as long as the piece is wearable interesting uh, quality qualitative and can actually uh, survive more than one and two and ten washes and wears it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be good for my collection and then I saw that you also um, give people advice on how to care for their clothes as well can you talk a little bit about that yeah sure I think it starts with uh, me sourcing clothes for the collection everywhere where secondhand clothing is to be found. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not only thrift stores and secondhand stores, but also swap parties, also donations, also sometimes dumpster diving if I see mm -hmm. that clothes hasn't been disposed of properly. Before actually the item comes to the collection, I have to care for it a lot already. I wash it, I uh, treat the, 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 the spots, I repair uh, the, the broken parts, I sometimes change uh, like uh, if, if there is a irreparable tear somewhere on the long sleeve, I make a short sleeves out of it and then of course re-steaming and ironing and everything like that. So just by doing that I've gained quite a lot of experience mm -hmm. and also it became clear that you don't need in most of the cases any fancy stuff. Sometimes just, uh, you know, a good quality soap or natural um, washing uh, powder and just uh, some vinegar and salt and some other things, they're actually totally fine and they're mm -hmm. enough. So uh, along with washing cold and along with washing maybe in the mesh bags. And that's just how I talk about it with my clients. So there is nothing really special. It's just actually reminding that, hey, you don't need any fancy smelling, expensive, mm. uh, full of toxins uh, things. You can just start really basic and it, it works. Mm -hmm. it, it requires more time and energy, mm -hmm. but it works. So here at the Biennale, you've got a room with lots of physical, you know, wooden wardrobes that you'd sort of have in your bedroom at home. Can you explain the concept behind that and what, you know, how people are interacting with these uh, walk-in wardrobes? The idea was um, indeed to remind visitors, the guests, that they should look into their own wardrobes before they go and acquire new clothes. Here we want people to think about, okay, how I can use what I have longer, how I can play with it, restyle it, how can I find alternative ways of sourcing new clothes. So, of course, the clothing 
borrowing clothes uh, is, a, is a big part of it, but also swapping clothes, be it with uh, friends and family mm -hmm. or strangers uh, at one of the curated swap events. And then finally, uh, obviously your organization is Outfit Library Less. Can you explain why that concept of, of less matters for you and, and kind of what it means for the wider fashion industry? When I started looking into alternatives to buying about six, seven years ago, after I watched the True Cost documentary, I discovered second-hand clothing industry or the shop. So for me, that was a huge uh, revelation. And mm -hmm. I started buying, buying, buying because I found so many interesting pieces and that was so cheap. And very quickly, my wardrobe became full. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I couldn't really see what I had and I got frustrated again, even though it was all sustainable choices. So I thought uh, the borrowing system is perfect because you can actually enjoy as many pieces as you want. You could uh, theoretically uh, exchange them as often as you want and yet your wardrobe always remains organized and clear. Your head remains organized. You have a kind of a sense of urgency like, okay, I borrowed it, borrowed it now. So I should wear it now. I shouldn't wait until like, you know, the weather gets better, I have special occasion, or I lose mm -hmm. weight, I gain weight, I feel better, I feel different. So that's a um, sense of less that I think we all need in a way in the in age of overconsumption and just overkill of information and everything. That's something that can be achieved with such an amazing concept as borrowing clothes. Amazing. And then the final question that I've been asking everybody, so the theme, of state fashion is ways of caring. What is your way of caring? Just to find a great alternatives that work for you, because everybody would have a different things that works for them and doesn't work for others. So actually making more sustainable choices and more fair choices, it doesn't really feel like sacrifice. It feels like uh, something exciting, something adventurous. And through finding that way that makes you happy, you can still care for the other people who make our clothes, for the environment that suffers now from overproduction and overconsumption. And um, yeah, still have fun and, uh, and have your clothes be your friends for a longer time. This has been a really unique experience for me and also I think for a lot of the participants in this event to have a Biennale, which is a traditionally, you know, very exclusive elite event for, you know, the very top cream of the crop of the art world and really inviting just everyday people to take part and also, you know, creatives that are from backgrounds or from geographies that are not usually given the opportunity to participate in things like this. I think the key takeaway for me was showing solutions that are from unexpected places. So how to mend these kind of broken relationships between the people that make clothes, the people that sell and design clothes, and the people that wear clothes. It was really inviting a dialogue between these different parts of the fashion supply chain and the fashion life cycle, and inviting people to, to listen, to listen to each other. I think we have a lot of silos within the fashion industry. A lot of the problems stem from, from not listening to those different perspectives. And I think it also encouraged us as, you know, as the visitors and the participants to to also contribute to the exhibition. You know, it wasn't a complete finished piece. It was it was a collaborative effort. And this really encourages us to think less of ourselves as just consumers who are just sold a finished product, 
who were just sold an idea or a message or a way of being or something that we have to look like or be like or sound like and really instead think of ourselves too as part of the system we can we can call for better in the system we can you know we can contribute to the solutions too i would really encourage you to check out the state of fashion uh, program on their website you can read a little bit more about everybody that took part but also you know even if you'll not come to arnhem yourself or see any of the content i guess we wanted to do this episode as an opportunity to think about your ways of caring ways to bring care and compassion and creativity and really the idea of listening into your practice whether you work in the fashion industry or whether you just consume and, and wear and, and make and mend clothing. You know, how can you use that lens of compassion and care in how you approach your wardrobe? That's it for this bonus State of Fashion episode and we'll be back soon for Series 3. In the meantime, you can recap all of our previous episodes wherever you stream your podcasts and follow us on social media at Common Threads Podcast so you'll be the first to know when the new series lands. You can also follow me at Style by Alice X and Ruth at Ruth McGilp underscore. Thanks so much. Catch you soon.